Welcome to the Green Wine Future Podcast, a series supporting the International Wine Business Virtual Conference taking place May 23rd to 26th, 2022. Featuring many of the world's leading minds from business, academia, and media, this conference highlights discussions on sustainability while exploring productive adaptations to address the current climate crisis. For more information about the conference and to register, please visit greenwinefuture.com. Now, let's join our host, industry veteran, writer, and judge, David Fuhrer, and the producer of the Green Wine Future podcast, Michael Wang-Bickler, industry veteran of 20 years and president of Balzac Communications. Welcome to the Green Wine Future podcast. I'm David Fuhrer, its host, and its producer is Michael Wang-Bickler. This episode is a little bit of a departure for us, but not too far. Our Australian colleague, Andrew Kayard, who will be moderating a session at the conference, has graciously provided us with this episode focusing on some of Australia's key figures in sustainable wine and viticulture. He's the producer of the Vintage Wine Journal in Australia, a master of wine, and a great interviewer on his own right. Please enjoy this episode with Andrew Kayard and Australia. Hello everybody, my name is Andrew Kayard and I'm a Master of Wine based in Sydney, Australia and the co-publisher of the Vintage Journal. This series of podcasts are a conversation around the topics of sustainability in the wine industry in the Barossa region of Australia and beyond. Rather than being just a threat to the natural environment, lives and livelihoods, the quest for sustainability offers exciting opportunities but the message is that we must act now. In part four of this podcast, I'm going to speak to Perno Ricard Australia's Chief Operations Officer, Brett McKinnon, and Perno Ricard's Global Communications Manager, Sarah Desha, who is also Head of Sustainability and Responsibility. My first question is to Brett McKinnon. How is Perno Ricard mitigating against climate change? Yeah, look, I think it's another interesting challenge. Um, we're probably seeing more recently some of the more direct and impactful results of, of a changing climate and having to deal with those, not, not just in Australia, but all around the world. So there's that shorter term adaptation, but then there's the longer term piece. And I think, you know, we also have seen a gradually changing climate over a number of decades now. And I think there's a lot of historical analysis and weather statistics that shows that. There's a lot of talk about whether it's in France or, or even Australia, how the timing of harvest has changed dramatically from where it was as early as 30 or 40 years ago. So adapting to all those things is, is really key. And I think a lot of it is about just being prepared, understanding what's coming and making sure you know what your risks are and you can work within those and you, I guess, build a long-term sustainable model that can deal with that and adapt with that. In the short term, it's coping with, with short-term challenges and risks and, and all those sort of short-term mitigating things. In the longer term, it's about, do I, my next time I plant this or redevelop this vineyard, what varieties do I put in? What clones, what rootstocks? Um, how do I make it more efficient, less water? All those sorts of things that will make it more adaptable going forward and, and more able to resist or adapt or, or suit changing climate. So it's there's a lot of things involved and wine is a long-term business. It's a long-term game. And I think we have to look at it in that respect as well and, and just think in the long-term when we make some particularly we make key decisions going forward around vineyard development and those sort of things. Do you think sustainability can be integrated into the culture of wine as much as history, tradition and romance? 
Yes, I do, 100%. And building on what Brett mentioned earlier is that sustainability is actually being part of what we have been doing in previous decades. And it's going to be something that is going to be intrinsically linked to the future as well. And it really is going to add to the romance and the culture of wine moving forward. We truly believe that. Can you tell me about regenerative agriculture and the types of things you are doing in the vineyard environment to promote healthy soils, healthy vines and biodiversity? This is a very significant area for us. Um, and again, it's about restoring nature and encouraging biodiversity and experimenting with uh, regenerative agriculture or regenerative viticulture techniques in our vineyards. So we know that improves soil health. We know that then can hold more carbon and water and be more resilient to what's coming. So we're running some pilot programs around regenerative viticulture because it is, it is relatively new, although a lot of the practices individually have probably been practiced in certain areas for quite some time. But I guess bringing it all together under this regenerative viticulture concept, we are running some pilot programs in Australia at the moment, just looking at how all those things can work together, build a regenerative model that suits Australia and suits specific regions, and then look to scale that up across uh, all of our vineyards moving forward. So again, that's not a short-term thing. It's it's a long-term plan, and we're looking to roll that out over the, the years to come. And, you know, we pull that with all the sustainable certification standards that we already have in our own vineyards. And we're also working with our growers and sharing our learnings and, and looking for them to get into this space as well. So probably a good example of what we're doing is it's not just about the vineyard itself, but the land around our vineyards. And I think the actual Jacobs Creek waterway is probably a great example of what we've done over the years. And again, this is nothing new. We've been working on that waterway of Jacobs Creek for you know many decades now and restoring it, regenerating it, eliminating all the invasive species or imported species that have been in the creek over a number of years. We've taken all those out and we're back to where the creek used to be years and years ago. Um, and it's probably the healthiest it's been for decades. And I think that's a great example of looking at biodiversity, looking at native and restoring native vegetation around our vineyards, not just within the vineyards. And obviously that leads to a big increase in biodiversity in that environment. So I think that's a great example of what we've been doing quietly for, for a number of decades now. Sarah, I think this one's for you. Circularity is a feature of sustainable wine businesses and companies like yourself are leaders in this field. Can you explain what circularity is and what outcomes you hope to achieve? It's a really good question because it sounds like a very easy question, but the reality is, is that there are many definitions on circularity out there. But if we take the definition from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, the circular economy is the system solution framework that tackles global challenges like climate change, biodiversity loss, waste and pollution. For us, it's really about making sure that we're minimizing waste every step by producing and distributing our products and experiences in ways that actually optimize and help preserve natural resources. Brett mentioned earlier around Great Mark. I think that was a really good example of some of the work that can be done around circularity and really looking at how waste streams can actually be used and converted into value streams. And I think that we will actually see a real shift in the value of waste streams and they probably won't be defined as waste streams in the future in current years because actually they're going to be value streams for businesses. So this is something that you know we're looking at at the moment. And I think the Great Mark example is a really good way to demonstrate that. It's also a really rather beautiful way of demonstrating it. Sarah, carbon emissions are classified as two types of direct and one type of indirect. Can you explain the differences between each of the three types? 
again, it sounds like a very simple question, but it is a very complicated area. As much of the audience, I'm sure, will agree. But very, very simply put, the scope one and two emissions are our direct emissions. They're the ones that we can control in our business. And then you've got the scope three emissions, which are those indirect emissions from our partners and suppliers. And whilst they're not directly in our control, they are still part of our responsibility as the operations of our business. So we really do need to work together and collectively try to strive towards net zero targets. And for us, we've got a net zero target for 2050 across the direct and indirect emissions. So that is scope one, two and three. We are living in a period of great change where social hierarchies and expectations are all shifting. And these expectations are all based on globalized social media and community values, equality, diversity, inclusiveness, health, safety, respect and opportunity for all sets new standards in the workplace and beyond. How do these values support or influence sustainability in an organization like yourselves? We've actually, we've obviously been talking a lot today about nature, land and the circular economy. But the reality is, is that we're actually committed to addressing all dimensions of sustainability as part of the roadmap. And we really do believe that this must be done in order for us to have a truly sustainable outcome. So having a happy, healthy and safe team who are comfortable to come into work and truly be themselves and confident to share who they are and work with people is central to this. So we really do feel like that is the collective focus focus is really important for us in achieving our sustainable goals. And it really is also about bringing together experience and knowledge from all backgrounds, cultures, genders, so that we actually are bringing together all of that knowledge to effectively explore the most effective and efficient ways to drive sustainability forward. And we do that by bringing together people from all backgrounds. I think the idea behind that is really, really brilliant, Sarah. And how do you actually make that happen? These values are really... um, demonstrated from the core of the business. It really is being demonstrated by the people throughout the organization, no matter what part you work in. There's a lot of passion in some of these areas. And that's how we're driving change, particularly when it comes to diversity and inclusion. It's coming from right at the core of the organization. And it's actually really incredible to see the passion that people have got. It's very much supported by leadership and Brett plays a really important role in that as well. The reality is, is that it's the people on the ground that are actually driving these values forward and making them a reality. So it's great to see that it actually runs through the veins of the organisation. Government and international agencies like the United Nations and the World Health Organisation are all activating sustainable policies and programmes. I see that Perno Ricard has a pretty good record in supporting and promoting these initiatives. But how do you think the wine industry as a whole, small, medium and large, can work together to build a sustainable future? I think firstly, just to acknowledge that the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the SDGs, uh, you know, really do allow us to have that focus and that collective common goal, which are really key to addressing those problem areas globally. So it's great to see business leaders all following a similar direction. For the wine industry in particular, we really think it's about using our collective experience, our knowledge and our expertise in order to share best practice and move the wine industry forward in a more sustainable way. It really is going to be vital for us in achieving our 2050 net zero targets, which I know we're not alone in trying to achieve. You know, we won't be able to achieve scope three alone. And if everybody across the supply chain achieves their scopes one and two, we won't actually have a scope three. So that's the key focus for us. And we acknowledge that we might not have all of the answers today. I'm not sure that anybody does, but um, we're definitely on the right path. Water conservation and quality are a major issue in Australian wine regions. How are you dealing with this risk management for the long term. 
this has been a, an issue and a challenge for Australia for a long period of time, given we're such a dry country. And actually, we're quite good at it already. We are quite an efficient user of water in our vineyards and our wineries, and even our internal benchmarking that we do with our other countries within Pernod Ricard. Our Australian operation is by far the most efficient water user against all the other origins. So that's a good start, but it doesn't mean we can't get better. And I think in, in the vineyard, for example, there's things that we can be doing with digital imagery in the vineyard weather data that's coming and predictive, uh, satellite imagery to really understand exactly uh, how much water is in the vineyard and how much water the vine actually needs on that particular day or even that particular hour. And I think with what's happening with AI and machine learning, that opportunity to become much more efficient, effective with water in the vineyard going forward is real. And in the winery, it's a similar thing. We're a very efficient user of water in our wineries and our bottling operations, but there's no doubt we can do more. And we are, we're capturing more water, we're reusing more water. You know, we think we can improve further. And again, it's, it's all about where is the water being used? How are we using it? What's the opportunity to improve that? And again, it's, it's about data and using that data to understand the usage and then being able to implement things and ideas and new technologies to improve that usage. So even though we're good at the moment, I think there's lots of opportunity going forward to get even better. And that efficiency around water is going to be critical going forward when there's no doubt in the climate that's coming, there's going to be less of it. Brilliant. And Brett, what is Perno Ricard Australia's green wine future? I think it's pretty simple. I think it's making sure that whatever we do in the time that we're here, we leave the land and, and the footprint that we're on in a better way for those to come going forward. And I think that's up for us as a company level. We need to do that. But I think you can take that to a regional level. Uh, if it's the Barossa Valley, I think the Barossa Valley collectively should have the same ambition. It could be a state level or even a country level. I think we, we recognise that we're in a business that's it's agricultural and high reliant on the environment and the footprint that we have. And we just need to understand that we want to leave it better than, than the way we found it. I hope this podcast has piqued your interest in sustainable activism and sustainability. These podcasts are produced by the Vintage Journal in conjunction with Green Wine Future, a virtual wine business conference that investigates the global wine industry's response to climate change and a sustainable future. And this conference is to be held between the 23rd and the 26th of May. Please visit greenwinefuture.com. Thank you for listening to the Green Wine Future podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share with your friends and colleagues. Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate your support. For more information regarding the conference or podcast, please visit greenwinefuture.com. Green Wine Future is a production of Crand Events, DF Consulting, and Balzac Communications and Marketing, all rights reserved.